Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon, I'm Chua Tian Tian with your market view. Now today, we are going to zoom in on markets in Asia and in the US, particularly after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan fanned further geopolitical tensions. We've seen that play out after Mrs. Pelosi landed in Taipei on Tuesday night, with China vowing to launch what it calls targeted military actions. Understandably, Mrs. Pelosi's visit sent global markets down earlier this week, but while there's been some moderation, investors are also concerned about the longer-term economic consequences of escalating tensions between the world's two largest superpowers. So what are these consequences? How are markets in Asia and the US likely to react in the coming week? For more, I'm joined by Henry Quack, Asia-Pacific Head of Global Markets at State Street. Hi, Henry. Hi, Tian Tian. Uh, the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan making the headlines this week. We know that China has taken what I call strong countermeasures. How strong are the measures? Sure. I think, you know, as most of us would have read uh, the last couple of days has been uh, very interesting. The economic measures taken so far, banning imports of some fruits and fish imports from Taiwan, as well as export of natural sand used for construction in Taiwan. I think the impact is limited given the agricultural products account for about only about 2% of total Taiwan exports. However, the agricultural production regions are usually strong political bases that support the DPP and President Tsai. So from the Chinese perspective, bans on agricultural products are largely political and symbolic rather than inflicting maximum economic pain. Hmm. And uh, in the meantime, how have markets reacted to the escalating tensions between the two world superpowers? Have they settled faster than expected? I would reckon so. Uh, you know, obviously, we had uh, missile firing over the, you know, yesterday. Um, I think generally markets in Asia and globally have so far had little reaction as the China's, Chinese responses are largely in line with market expectations, right? So we had the usual missile testing and the live fire military drills encircling Taiwan. However, I would just add that risks remain high mm. and the situation remains fluid as tensions surrounding Taiwan Strait is elevated and unpredictable. Events could escalate the delicate situation dramatically and quickly if unintended military confrontation casualties were to occur. And throughout the year, actually, irrespective of the latest tension between US and China, institutional investors have largely avoided Asian emerging markets, as we see deep underweight positioning across Asian currencies, bonds, and equities. However, we have seen some renewed interest over the past month in terms of greater inflows back into North Asia as markets continue to expect greater stimulus package from China to spill over to the rest of the region, especially into the export-oriented places like even South Korea and Taiwan. Mm. This could again turn around if political uncertainty dominates the narrative as investors revert back to ASEAN, which is often more driven by tourism and a rebound in domestic consumption. You mentioned about China, and I do want to focus on that. Its annual growth rate is expected to trend around 3.5%, which is way lower than the 5.5% target that was set earlier this year. How will ongoing tensions weigh on markets there in the longer run? I think ongoing tensions could weigh on investor sentiment and trigger some outflows if situation escalates beyond what's currently priced in. Right? And rising tensions across the Taiwan Strait and worsening US-China relationship could force investors to rethink their long-term positioning and allocation into Chinese assets. But the situation so far doesn't warrant massive repricing, as long-term investors in bonds and equity markets tend to look beyond short-term risk 
and focus more on macro fundamentals. To that end, domestic growth is somewhat less impacted by this elevated external risk, although a further decoupling with the US could inevitably have a negative impact. However, a baseline assumption is COVID and stimulus policies will likely continue to be determining factors of growth rather than geopolitical events. Investor sentiment clearly turned around with much stronger inflows into Chinese equities over the past month. But this is not well supported by the earnings backdrop, which continues to show much lower upgrades relative to the, to the rest of the region. And in the meantime, reports were saying that the chip sector is set to bear the brunt of the brewing US-China conflict over Taiwan. What kind of longer-term consequences would that have on the chip sector? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, when we started with COVID as well, right, the supply chains were all disrupted. And mm-hmm. then subsequently, the brewing US-China tensions, I think this has led to a lot of refocusing on the semiconductor industry globally. And I think the impact on the chip sector does warrant investor concern. Given Taiwan's outsized share of global chip supply chain, right? Around 90% of the world's leading semiconductors, that is uh, 10 nanometers in size, are produced in Taiwan. Given the supply chain disruptions has already created worldwide shortages in semiconductors, escalating cross-strait tensions will likely exacerbate this challenging picture. You know, China, you know, obviously we have talked about the blockade around the airspace around Taiwan, and this could have a twofold impact on supply chains, right? Taiwan exports would be mm. severely disrupted if the encirclement were to extend beyond the fourth to seven, the three-day period which they announced. And Taiwan Strait is one of the business shipping lanes which where 88% of largest container ships transit in its waterway this year. And a lot of the trade routes to Europe and the Middle East go through this strait. So I, I think we need to separate the political noise from corporate fundamentals. But nevertheless, we have seen multiple months of outflows by foreign investors across Taiwanese mm. equities. So I think we need to look at that from that perspective. And, and I think the tech sector has a combination of solid earnings growth and high dividend payout, which could, could provide an extra boost to an index as global policy rates continue to surge compared to the low payouts across the rest of Asia. So the semiconductor industry is extremely important and still will play a very prominent role in investor uh, in investor portfolio. Mm, if you're just tuning in, we are now speaking to Henry Quack, Asia-Pacific Head of Global Markets at State Street. Uh, Henry, looking beyond uh, disruptions and also concerns over geopolitical tensions between uh, US and China, what are the longer-term headwinds for Asia and the US? I think there is this continued trend towards economic divergence, right? This is not so clear-cut. Many regional economies will attempt to balance the US against China and not make any explicit stance that favours one over the other. However, Chinese exports to the rest of Asia have increased since the pandemic. And much of this is centered around infrastructure spending, right? Especially around the 5G networks, for example, that tie a country's economic development to China. And then that creates a challenge for the US in the long term in staking a claim to economic development in Asia. So I guess this would be the key headwinds, I think, for Asia with the relationship with the US. Mm. And... uh... Henry, I know you do specialize in currency movements as well. What does the ongoing tensions mean for the US dollar, the Chinese yuan, and also the safe haven currency, the Japanese yen in the meantime? I think that's a great question, Tianjian. I think geopolitics is only one of the numerous factors that drive currency movements, Mm. right? We have sentiment, positioning, valuation, growth expectations, and many more. However, adverse geopolitical trends is a boon to safe havens such as the US dollar. And as you mentioned, the yen, given the tendency towards home buyers towards the largest global equity holders, which is the US, and the largest fixed income holders, which is Japan. 
So as a consequence, the trends of recent days have supported these safe, safe haven currencies relative to high beta effects, right? The impact on the CNY or the Chinese yuan, as you mentioned, is less clear, given that it remains largely a managed currency in the absence of open capital flows. To that end, the authorities continue to guide the currency towards the preferred ranges. Although foreign inflows into Chinese assets, a source of appreciation pressures earlier in the year have slowed down quite a bit. Mm. And amid all those market volatilities, what should investors do in the meantime to shield themselves from the ongoing risks? Which currencies, which assets should they be buying up at this point? Sure, I think we remain largely defensive cross-asset, right? So I think for foreign exchange, the we recommending an overweight in the yen and underweighting the euro and the Canadian dollar. And we're actually quite neutral in the US dollars in terms of positioning and valuations and the race pricing versus the G10, but overweight the US dollars against emerging market currencies such as the Taiwan dollar and the Polish slotie. For fixed income, we are overweight the gilts, underweight emerging market local currency debt and US high yield, with the latter two clearly a risk of place, right? For equities, we are generally recommending an overweight US, Japan because of earnings, underweighting Europe because of the growth recession and corporates under a lot of pressure at the moment. Mm. And asset-wise, where should investors be putting their money in right now? I think it's, it's an interesting thing, right? Because obviously you have the impact of uh, high interest rates, which impacts the equity markets directly. Mm. But at the same time, I think we have seen relatively resilient earnings as well, right? So hence, I think, you know, in terms of equities, I think the US stocks remain a very strong uh place to put your investments. At the same time, I think we, although we are, as, as a bank, we're looking at the neutral US dollar positioning, given the high interest rates, I think you have to have some relative place against the US, against some of the emerging currencies, we shall play catch up in terms of interest rate differentials. Thank you very much, Henry. That was Henry Quack, Asia Pacific Head of Global Markets at State Street. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.